Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Harry's podcast. I hope you're well. I hope you're feeling creative. Thank you for pressing play. You're probably going to hear a lot of weird noises during this podcast. I have a very shouty neighbour who's taking a lot of shouty phone calls. And I also have a cat now. I got a cat a couple of weeks ago. His name's Albert. So if you hear any weird cat-like noises, it's not me. I'm not weird. And also, if I do shout Albert, I'm not going insane. I'm not seeing the ghost of my grandfather. I just actually have a cat now called Albert. I want to briefly talk about the James Slater podcast because I'm super proud of it. A few people wrote me some nice messages and said, this was a really good pod. Please do more guests. So I am going to try and do that. But the thing I did realize with the first guest podcast is it's a lot of work. It's, It's way more work than just me rambling on and editing out a couple of mistakes. When you speak to an actual person... It's like four days editing. I mean, not four full days, obviously, that would be crazy, but it's a lot more work. So being the lazy person I am, I still want to have guests, but not going to not gonna go crazy on the guests because it's a lot of editing and I want to be a filmmaker that also has a podcast, not a podcaster who makes films. You, you get it. I've said that before. So James was brilliant. I knew he would be. I, I felt he dropped a lot of knowledge I just thought it was inspiring where he started out, then to where he got to, and he's just going to keep getting better and better, I think, and it's going to be really interesting and exciting to see what he goes on to make. So I'm really happy with that. Didn't think 20 podcasts ago that I was going to have a guest, and now it seems like it's just the beginning of something. I'm glad that people seem to like the James Slater podcast, or the Slater pod, as I'm going to now refer to it. So... The Slater pod went down well, but what I will say is there was a bit of a technical nightmare. I'd recorded the phone conversation, I downloaded the WAV onto the desktop, pressed play, and I could only hear my voice. I could only hear my side of the conversation. I totally freaked out because I'd spoken to James for like two hours, and obviously I'd told people, social media, the world, that I was doing this podcast because I thought it was going to be interesting. And then I could only hear my side of the conversation. So I had a meltdown. I was throwing things around at my desk. I was I was like, you know, this is, this is ridiculous. This is so humiliating. And then I stopped for one second and thought, what would Ryan McMurray do? And so I, I realized, put it into Final Cut Pro and just see what happens. So I dropped it into Final Cut Pro and voila, I could hear James's voice and it felt great. I'd never been so happy to hear another person's voice than I was then. So the podcast was saved and Ryan had something to do. I don't even know what I would have done because it wouldn't have been the most pleasurable experience for James to do another two-hour conversation. Not that speaking to me is a horrible thing, but just you know, going through your career for another two hours with somebody he he wouldn't have wanted to to do that so I'm so glad that it worked out technologically and I'm not an idiot and it did it did record properly so that was the Slater pod I can't wait to do more guests I do have the next guest lined up she's a filmmaker from America very different to James so that's an interesting perspective we should be chatting the first week of November I'll announce that probably next week I am going to have more guests I'm really excited to have them, especially people who I've looked up to and I admire their work and and genuinely want to 
dig deep in their process and how they got to where they are and also what their strategy is going forward because that's the kind of stuff that fascinates me. I feel like I haven't spoke to you all in about a month because it was probably two weeks between the last one and then James's podcast and that took me a while to edit and then now we're speaking again. So there's, there's been a lot going on but the bulk of that time, at least a week, has been me filling in this application. So I was doing this application. I did three, actually. I did two for BAFTA. I did a BFI guru thing that takes place in November, and I didn't get that. I got that rejection whilst I was doing another application. And that was kind of, that wasn't motivating, really. You know, when you're doing another application, you get a rejection from one you did, you know, three days ago. So, and then I applied for BAFTA crew, which is going to be really difficult to get into this year, I think. And I've already been in it two years. So that one's going to be tricky. And then the third one was a feature film residency where you, over three weeks, you write a feature film and the weeks are scattered throughout next year. So I spent a week, you know, on and off on this application. And it's just made me question the whole process of filmmakers applying for things and what to go for and because I don't know about you but I've gone through phases where I've gone you know what screw this application process I'm not going to apply for anything because I'm just going to get my head down and I'm going to write and I'm going to make films and you're going to come knocking and then I've also gone the other way and I've tried to apply for everything and and I've got some things I've not got a great strike rate. So, uh, but I applied for this thing and it, it was a joke, to be honest. It was, it was, it's a really great opportunity, but the questions were kind of like 500 words on your biography. So you've kind of got that to hand, you know what you've done in life. So that doesn't take hours, but then there's, there's a thousand words on the film. So you do that. Then there's a three page treatment. So you do that. And then it's 500 words on, um, where you want to be, you know, your career. And then to top it all off, there's there was a three-minute video pitch. And I think the video pitch is where I've really screwed up. And so I've, I've recorded this video pitch, like I'm not even joking, about 50 times. And the thing was due midnight on Sunday. And at 10 p.m., I was recording this three-minute video pitch, go, pretty much going insane in real time. And I, to be honest, there is no way they can watch that video pitch without realizing th this person has gone insane. This my, my hair is like, looks like I've been electrocuted. Um, I'm kind of sweating. I'm out of breath at the beginning. And th there's no way that they can press play and be like, this is a normal human being that's just doing a natural video pitch, which is what is meant to be the whole point to it. Because I've done it so many times and I messed up so many times and I'm red in the face. So they're going to click play on this and just be like, no. Like, not even if the written words are brilliant and they look at the video thing last, which I don't think they do. I think they're going to watch that first. So I'm worried. But just on a, on a bigger level with applications... I said I was going to talk about Lewis Arnold's Director Now document, and I will do that at some point in the coming weeks. But going through that document and seeing all the filmmakers, a recurring theme is the importance of schemes and applications. And I've talked before about the sort of snowball effect 
that perception and these schemes have and connections and all that stuff. And they are really important because, you know, you can be a writer, a filmmaker, an actor, and no one can give a shit. And then you get on that one scheme. It doesn't even have to be that sexy a scheme. It doesn't have to be, you know, Sundance Labs or BBC Writers Room. It can just be a little something. And suddenly you look a lot better. You look legit. So I think that's why as filmmakers, we are kind of hypnotized by these applications and these schemes and we go for them and then you spend all this time on them and you get you try to get them right and then you send them off and you go, well, how do they even judge this? How do they gauge this? Do they just look at my films? Do they really care that much about the written word? And and so I guess it's done now and I'll try and forget about it and we'll and we'll see what, what happens. But and I and I think I am gonna try and apply for things as they come in, but I guess it is a vetting process and you don't just apply for everything. There's gotta be some sort of balance. But I think going through that director's now document and realizing, you know what, it is important if you can get on Berlin Alley talents, you know, or if you can get on certain schemes, like that does look really good. And I'm sure that does help get meetings. I'm sure it does help people go, you know what, I will take a chance and read that script or it does help get an agent. So it's just about balancing it in the future and maybe not letting an application take over your life like that one did last week and then screwing it all up at the last minute. The last things I will say about the whole application thing and then I'll shut up about it because... I don't want to come across bitter, but the last thing I will say is these things are so competitive, most of them, and a lot of negative stuff crosses your mind and you go, well, you know, they must know these people. Like 7,000 people apply for BBC Writers Room and they always pick, you know, sort of people you've heard of or viral Twitter comedians or, or whatever. Like they know these people. They they had them sort of picked out already. And I don't know about that because I don't know the ins and outs of, of these schemes and who picks or whatever. But it's very, very easy to go conspiracy theorist on this stuff. And I think the thing that helps me actually do them and not hate the whole world whilst I'm doing them is the fact that if you can be creative with it and have fun with the application and get something out of it, then it's okay. It's fine. You've won. And... I think with the application that I did, I wrote a treatment, I put a little bit of a mood board together and I realised don't leave the video pitch till last and look like an insane person. So they're the things that I learned and I've got something out of it. I've got a treatment that is rough, but it's there and I can hopefully make the next treatment better. And so that would be my advice to you. Don't come across like an insane person. Don't leave it till the last minute, which I kind of didn't but then I did with the video pitch, but don't leave it till last minute uh, and make sure you're getting something out of it. It doesn't feel like you're just playing the lottery and you've put a load of work in. Talking about applications, segue, beautiful segue alert. The BFI short film funding application has reopened. It's such a tease. It's six weeks away and then the deadline shuts. I thought it was going to get pushed back till next year, but I saw on the Twitter, the Twitter that I'm trying to get off. I've, I've, I've been off Twitter for a good couple of weeks since I went on holiday and I feel so much better sort of being on there 
now and then as opposed to just scrolling through like a zombie every day, every morning as soon as I wake up. I saw on the Twitter that BFI short film funding has a six-week window and I'm thinking, right, I've got to get an application in. I've, I've got to get it. I've got to make it so good that they see this shit and just go, yeah, just give him the money. You know, just give him the suitcase full of money. Let him make what he wants to make. And, you know, the application is so good. So that's the crazy dream. That's the crazy daydream. But in reality, I am thinking, I've got six weeks to do an application. Let me write a short film as, you know, the best short film I can write and then apply, make sure I use the deadline to, to write something and get it in there. And then this window is going to be so competitive. Again, it's kind of like playing the lottery because you think we've had coronavirus for the best part of a year. All these filmmakers have not been able to make films, some of them, and they've got those applications together and now they're, they're all going to submit at the same time. So it's probably going to be one of the most competitive BFI short film funding windows there's ever been. So are you super negative with that and don't apply? Or do you sort of go, well, you know what? I've got a really good short film idea and I know I am I know I can put a good application together and then whatever happens, happens. And also, if you are thinking of applying, I would definitely say apply because if you're good and you don't quite hit the mark, then there's two windows next year and that's how they're going to do it from now on. There's going to be two windows each year. I'm sure it's going to change. It's the BFI. I'm sure it's going to change next week. But at least you've got three windows, including this window in November, and then you've got two next year. So that's what I'm thinking. From previous podcasts, you'll have you'll have heard me say it's been a, been a goal of mine to get it in there and get that funding. And it still is. But these things are so competitive. You've kind of just got to do it, send it in, and kind of forget about it. Or alternatively make sure you can somehow make the thing you know you submit it and then if you hear a no go well i can make a version of this it's not going to be the super polished version maybe with the two supporting actors two supporting characters but i can kind of slim this down take five pages off it and shoot something i am well aware that albert is snoring a lot now i hope you can't hear that but he is he's snoring his head off so that's BFI Film Funding. I wanted to do a quick Harry Show update because I've been so quiet on it and I was banging on about got to get the six done, got to get the six done and then I'll start releasing them. That's slightly changed a little bit because I am thinking now I'm going to start releasing them the sort of the beginning of November and I'm just going to kind of drip them out. They're not all done yet and they've not all been sort of gone through the sound and they've not all been graded. They're all at different stages and... So, but I do need to start releasing them because I don't want to be releasing them in sort of next year. I want to be getting them out this year and then writing for next year. I've been talking to John Dean every week or two weeks and we've been going through notes on horror cells. That's been really productive and it's been nice because I've been checking in every week or two weeks and I've been having some distance and I can see my mistakes or I can see obviously things that I've not seen before and I am kind of being harsh on myself with this new stuff that I've done that no one's seen yet. And it's not a criticism on anyone who was involved with the stuff except me because they did a great job and, you know, I'm privileged and lucky that they decided to work on it. But more just thinking forward and going, again, I hate to use the C word, but competitive, like everything is so competitive now in terms of short filmmaking and 
trying to carve a career in this this business we called show that you you do have to look at yourself and go right where can we get better where can we improve and the five or yeah the five things that we've shot I am looking at them I do like them they are cool I can understand why I wanted to make them but I am thinking right how can we be better how can we be funnier how can we how can we make work that really impresses people and there's no there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with coming at it with that attitude it's not sort of a an insecure attitude of you know how, how can i make people like me how can i make people notice me it's it's not that it's more you you see other work and you know what impact it has on you and you see its qualities and its strengths and then you look at your own work and you think right there's there's the gap these are the things that i'm not doing so i'm already before this stuff has been released i'm thinking right how can we push on from this next year and part of that is the comedy and how can we make it funnier and am i holding back because i'm too insecure as a performer or as a writer am i taking less risks and i think the answer to all those things is yes and you see great comedy and you see the risks that people take and the bold choices they make and i've been binging a lot of conan o'brien recently and that's taken me down the route of early simpsons episodes so i've been watching watching a few of them and just thinking how genius they are and how a masterclass of tv writing it is and just the craft and the setups and the payoffs and i mean we all know that the simpsons is one of the greatest tv shows ever it's not an original thought for me to say that but i haven't watched this show in 15 years and i used to be a really big fan of it and watch it all the time especially when i was a lot younger and so to revisit it as a 32 year old who hasn't watched it since I was about 15, 16, and now being able to look at it through the eyes of someone that studied screenwriting and has made short films and and kind of look at it in awe of, of the craft of it. I'm going to enjoy watching it more and more. I'm going to watch a couple of seasons of it just to, again, revel in the craft and the jokes and the characterization. It's just, it is, it's masterful. And so I've been watching a lot of Conan sketches and obviously the Simpsons because there's a level of sort of silly and surrealism that I envy and my stuff is very tonally dry and subtle and maybe bordering on kind of snobby or not just not it's not funny enough really and so again that might be being, me being hard on myself yeah I just said hard on that might be me being harsh on myself but that's what I'm doing anyway I'm, I'm kind of seeing the gaps and going, what can help with that? What, what can I try new? What can I try different? And I think the thing that I'm going to write for the BFI window, the most competitive BFI window in history, is something that is really fun and risky and different because I've not really done that before and it feels it feels right. The last thing I want to say about Harry's show is we haven't shot number six yet disconnected the short film that's going to be with my therapist haven't shot that that's going to be i think that's going to be really good it could be the best one and so i'm hoping to shoot that as soon as possible but i can already feel or understand where i've gone wrong which is the whole point of harry's show was to shoot stuff and get it out every couple of weeks and what i decided to do which now looking back was probably the wrong idea was to get the first six done polished ready to post 
then post them, and then as I'm posting them, rinse and repeat, keep writing and then making and, and do that and kind of give me a, a six-week or a 12-week, if I was to release them fortnightly, kind of head start. And I think now going forward, that still could work if I get my arse into gear, but maybe what could have been a better idea is just release them. Make one, get it edited, release it. Make one, you know, release it. And there might be four weeks in between or there might be three weeks, but they would be getting released. And the momentum, knowing my ego, I would have been very happy with people seeing them and hopefully some positive feedback that the momentum would have made more happen. So going forward with the with the series that nobody's ever seen anything of yet, when those six get released, it will be interesting to see what happens. I am determined to start releasing them in November and then I'll take it from there and, and see what happens. On a bigger level now in the world, trying to be a filmmaker or a writer and the shit show that's going on, and shit show seems to be a very overused word at the moment, but it feels like the most accurate. It can be a bit daunting with your plan and sort of trying to live in the moment or create stuff. And I think creative people do generally think about the future. That might be a huge generalization, but speaking to my friends over the years, I feel like it's a quite a common thing that we do. We're sort of over overactive creative minds and we we do need to be anxious slash paranoid about the future and what's happening again that might just be me I don't know I don't think it is and so you do suddenly start to think is making a lot of two-minute videos the wisest thing to do with my time and in July I thought you know what this is a really interesting idea let me pursue this and I still am thinking like that I'm still thinking you know if we can get to a point where we're releasing something every three weeks that's interesting and funny and creative alongside the podcast, that there could be something there. And it's about how we can make that happen. And I don't just want the answer to be money. Like, oh, it just needs money. It needs money. It needs money. And I've even thought about, you know, I'm getting a new phone in a, in a month or so. And I'm thinking, is there a way I can do stuff that's on the iPhone that's true to what I do? and what want to do and not not me being trying to be a a viral comedian on twitter because i can't do that that's not really my thing but is there something there that can get my creative energy out but maybe i should just release the short films see what people make of them and make more and that's the obvious answer and so i've just got to do that i guess the main thing i wanted to talk about today is how the future is daunting and I spoke a couple of weeks ago how the winter months are killers and they're going to suck and you better get ready for them to suck. And it's been only a couple of weeks since I said that and I've noticed it in my life. I'm not doing certain things and I've kind of got a snap out of that. And sometimes as a filmmaker, like when I've said about the applications and the windows and, and how competitive they are and how quick you have to apply for them and a thousand words on why do you want to be a filmmaker and you think to yourself... Jesus, I've I've written this 50 times in my life. You know, give me 100 words on where you're going to be in the next five years and all these awful applications that you have to fill in. But you feel like you have to fill them in because there doesn't seem to be that many options to get ahead. And applications and schemes are one of the big 
opportunities to sort of get ahead. And it made me think this week doing the application that the future is daunting and it is the most competitive it's ever been. And for some reason, and I, I don't can't really put my finger on this, but I am the most enthusiastic and positive I've ever been about a career in the arts. And I have no logical explanation for why that is. And I'm not on any type of medication. I've not banged my head, but I am well aware of the shit show that's going on outside. And I know that it's it's super competitive and I speak to other filmmakers and some of them are dismayed by certain funding opportunities or lack thereof. And I've spoken before about there's only so many paths to go down in terms of really getting ahead and they're going to become way more oversubscribed. But we just have to carry on with it and we have to keep writing and keep making stuff and keep saying to ourselves, we are we are good at this, we do have strengths and, and also keep asking ourselves, how can we be better? How can we do better work? How can we be more interesting? And it's hard, but try and take that subjective point of view out of it, which is what I've tried to do. And actually what, what, what I've done by accident with the five things that I've shot since July, I've sort of by accident had so much distance from them that now I can kind of look at them and go, okay, right, I could see what I was trying to do, but I know I could be a lot more successful by doing this. And I'm looking at next year and I normally love and revel in getting to this time of the year and hopefully ending the year on a, on a high note, but then also planning out next year and going, right, what can I do? What can I do differently that sets me apart or improves me as a filmmaker? And that's how sort of the 12 shorts came along and that's how a web series came along. And this year I thought was going to be the start of something, but it couldn't quite be because of the pandemic. But then it gave me the the first few episodes of it and it also gave me this podcast so that's something and now I'm looking at next year and going can I do another year of just short films and what do those short films look like are they is it a series of two to three minute shorts or should I be really ambitious and go for a, a 25 minute 30 minute short film because that's that's getting me ready for a feature film and we all know how important a feature film would be to any filmmaker's sort of burgeoning career. You suddenly ask yourself these big questions at the end of a year and I don't fully know the answer at the moment. I can't explain this feeling of positivity and hopefulness. To me, it feels like as if somebody who's just started out in a band that's got potential, they were really positive about the next year. It makes no sense. You know, you can't, you can't play live for a year, pretty much and you've not had an album out, no one knows who you are, you've only had a couple of gigs, you've got an EP, like why on earth would you be positive? And even with festivals, you know, film festivals going virtual, I was seeing that as a negative because you're not actually going to the festival and I don't know how many film festivals will take place next year, but I was seeing that as a negative, but maybe that's a super positive because more people are getting to see the films and find out about the filmmakers. I don't know where this positivity comes from. I don't know if it'll last long. I hope it does. And normally around this time of year, I have a strong understanding what I want to do next year. And it doesn't scare me that I don't know that now, which I guess is a bit of growth because normally 
you know, if that was the case, I would be having a bit of a meltdown. But I'm kind of confident and calm and I'm thinking to myself, well, if I get to the end of November and I don't know the script, I don't know what's the plan in terms of the, the making of the work. And I think as well, a lot of it obviously comes down to writing. You can't predict, well, I'm going to do this if I haven't sat down and, and written it yet. But for me, sometimes I need the process first and I need to know, well, I want to make a series that's online and release things every two weeks. That'll be really interesting. I kind of need to know that for me to be excited and inspired. So at the moment where I'm at is get these shorts released, see what the reaction is, apply for this BFI film funding with no sort of expectation of getting anywhere near it, but to be happy with what I write and then hopefully could make it, even if it's not accepted for funding, and figure out what 2021 looks like in terms of wanting to be a filmmaker and getting closer to getting that career and doing it as a professional. So it'd be interesting to hear where you're all at and how sort of hopeful or pessimistic you are at the moment because, you know, it's an, it's an honest feeling to be totally negative and depressed at the moment. I can 100% totally understand and empathise with that feeling. Weirdly, what's happened to me in the last couple of weeks, whether it be editing the shorts that I'm editing or speaking to the editor, John, on Horror Cells, or whether it be speaking to James last week on the podcast... There is a lot of uncertainty, the future's daunting, but I am excited because I know that the best worker is ahead of me and I know that I have a good idea of what that is and I'm not in the dark on what that is and that's kind of the most important thing. I don't want this podcast to feel like the weird, the weirdest brag ever in that like I'm sharing a weird epiphany that I've had over the last couple of weeks and you know I'm feeling great because that isn't always the case. These podcasts obviously recorded, you know, I talk to a microphone for about 40 minutes normally and just edit it down. And the way I'm feeling on that particular day is what gets recorded. So tomorrow might be a really shitty day. Who knows? But yeah, at the moment, I would just say be positive towards it. You've come this far. You've made what you've made. You've written scripts. You're thinking about doing whatever you want to do. And end the year strong. I say it all the time, but I'll say it again because it's worth repeating end 2020 the best way you can and get thinking about how you're going to make your best work in 2021. So I'm, I'm well aware as well that I did mention a shouty woman on the balcony. She didn't make an appearance and Albert has also been a bit noisy, but he's probably been not that noisy for you to hear him. So now at the start of a podcast, I've got, you know, you're going to hear cat noises and I'm not insane. And then you haven't heard any cat noises so, and, and also Albert is just sat down looking at me going, there's no one else in the flat. Why are you talking to yourself? So you, you haven't heard from Albert this week, but I'm sure you will hear him in weeks to come. Thank you for listening to the podcast. This has been 21. Please, I don't say this enough. I've only really said it once before. If you are listening to this podcast and there are a few of you, get on that iTunes and leave me a nice review. It can be a silly review, but please leave me a review because I want this thing to catch on and I would love more listeners so that would mean a lot as always this podcast is produced by Ryan McMurray at Bracken Audio and I'll see you next week 